This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest and someone who has become a quick friend, a great mentor to me, and an amazing advisor. And anytime I come into into contact with people like that, I feel like a little selfish if I don't share them with this community here. And so today we have Melissa Houston, who is joining us, and she has a very interesting perspective. I would also say she's multi-talented, but we'll get into that in just one second. She's got an interesting perspective on finances, and that is an area, honestly, in this community, it's a huge... We definitely want you guys to be aware of how you can strengthen your financials as you move through the, the different journeys that are going to come before you inside of your business. But in total, so we look at finances in two different veins, one from our business and then also in the businesses that we're supporting. And so today I've asked Melissa to have a one-to-one conversation with you about your business finances because I want to make sure we're taking care of you first. I know all of us are service providers who are tuning in today and we have big old Texas-sized hearts, which means we pour and we pour and we pour into the people that we serve. And while I'm always going to send you lots of accolades and encourage you to do that and be that person, that strategic advisor, that strategic partner to the people that you're supporting, you cannot forget about your own. I have certainly been in that situation where I have given more of myself to my clients than I have to myself. And in full transparency, my finances were not the top of mind for me. And they should have been in my early days of business. I've been able to self-correct that over time. And I say self-correct, I noticed the opportunity myself, but then I had to pull in experts to help me with that because either I wasn't talented, I didn't have the specific skill, I didn't prioritize the time. And I will say all three of those things have come into play. So when I find experts like Melissa who have this deep interest and expertise, it just makes sense to bring her here today. So before we dive in and you guys get to hear me and Melissa chat and her give you great advice, I'm going to introduce you to my friend Melissa with her bio. So Melissa Houston is the founder of the Fractional CFO Agency. She's also a columnist at Forbes.com and the host of an amazing podcast, ladies, the Business Society Podcast. She's got the greatest guest. You guys have to go out there and listen to her. Melissa is a licensed CPA. She's a financial strategist for CEOs, and she helps successful business owners increase their profit margins without having to increase revenue so that they keep more money in their pocket while increasing their personal wealth. I'm just going to read that one more time because I feel like as directors of operations ladies, we are big contributors to helping people like Melissa with that same mission. So I'm going to read it one more time. She helps successful business owners increase their profit margins without having to increase revenue so that they keep more money in their pocket while increasing their personal wealth. Wow, that is super powerful. Melissa's seen the bottom and climbed her way back up. She personally and financially bounced back 
from concealing 100K in personal debt from her husband. She shares her story to remind people that your mistakes don't define you as humans. We all make mistakes and can recover from them. Now she uses that to teach entrepreneurs to become financially literate in order to create profit in their businesses. She has 20 years of business experience with large and small corporations, government, not-for-profit industries, while specializing in nerdy things like internal controls, corporate accounting, budgets, financial reporting, and so on. Melissa enjoys helping business owners build their businesses by increasing their financial management skills. She's going to do that for us today. And we are so lucky. Your numbers are telling you a story. Make sure you are listening to that story. Melissa's passion is helping business owners go from six to seven figure businesses and achieving their personal financial dreams. You know, I kind of have chills reading this because I feel like I, I should have had you by my side many years ago because that was my dream. That exact sentence was my dream. And to wrap up, Melissa, when Melissa isn't helping entrepreneurs become better CEOs of their businesses, she can be found at the cottage with her husband, Jamie, and her two teen children and her three dogs. Melissa, I'm so excited to have you here. I had to interject as I was reading through that because we talk so much about financials as a community of directors of operations. We are, you know, that first, and oftentimes we're that first person in a, from a managerial or even an entry-level executive role that comes in to partner with CEOs. And obviously we can't play that consummate operator inside of a business if we don't have the acumen around financials. Mm -hmm. So I'm so excited to welcome you here, Melissa. Thanks again for being here. Oh my God, Natalie, thank you so much for having me. First, wow, what an intro. Thank you very much. Secondly, I am happy to talk about finances all day. I know we don't have all day, but I would totally nerd out about this forever. Yes, yes, of course. I think I love it when we find passionate people around things that the rest of the world may think is really, really lame. But for some reason, the two of us just get really excited over these things. So <laughs> exactly. And you have to remember when you're talking about your finances, you're talking about your profit and the profit is what you get to keep at the end of the day. And how can you not get excited about that? I mean, that is like counting your dollars. Yes. 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 I love it. I recorded a podcast at the end of 2021. And one of those things that we always do is kind of look back over the previous year and I've been in business for myself for six years. And as I have developed or matured in business, you know, it used to all be around that vanity revenue, revenue, revenue. And we yes. see a lot of that. We're still six years later, we're still seeing a lot of that. And it created a lot of false narratives up in my brain. And yeah. as I've developed, I've been able to say, you know what? Revenue is cool. But it, nothing is as cool as profit margin because with profit yeah. margin, I'm now able to pay me as the person who has blood, sweat, tears, every, all the energy, all the stress, I'm actually able to pay myself in the way that I really prefer. And the greater the profit margin, the more sustainable, I, I'm sure I don't need to tell you this, but the more sustainable this business is, the more it can stand without me. It's given yeah. me the opportunity to be able to give great bonuses, great salaries and wages to the people who join me, but also mm -hmm. myself. Hello, we can't forget about ourselves. Yeah. And then even looking into the future to be able to invest in upgrades, whether that's software, whether that's a new project, whether that's coaching, whatever that looks like, but having that profit margin is everything. And so now I, well, 
I can't say I don't look at the revenue number, but I am obsessed with the profit margin. When I set our goals for the year, it's not a revenue. It's always a profit margin. And so I'm excited that that you are just as passionate about that profit margin as well. Yeah. And I love that you're talking about this, right? Because the revenue are the vanity numbers. So, you know, often people think, well, if I'm only making $500,000 in my business, but their profit margins are bringing in like 300,000 or 250,000, what have you in their businesses, they're doing so much better than the colleague who may be making 2 million in in revenue, but is only bringing home maybe $25,000 of profit. So people really need to wrap their minds around this. And there's so much false messaging out there where the talk is about, oh, you know, like bring in more revenue, more revenue is going to cure your cash Mm -hmm. flow problems, like the whole bit, right? And it's just simply not true. When you learn how to focus on the right numbers, then it makes your business so much easier to manage and control. Yes. So we're talking to a bunch of service providers today, people who are passionate about their God-given gifts that may seem, like I said earlier, a little bit nerdy to other people, but by and large, we're operators here. So we've got the, the skills of you know operations in total, whether that's strategy, whether that is human resources, obviously project management. And a lot of us, or some of us at least, represent that financial arm of operations. And so... Mm-hmm you know, we're taking those gifts and that interest and we are building businesses or careers around that or those skill sets that come together for us underneath that umbrella of operations. So we're building businesses. And oftentimes as we start, specifically in my journey, but I would say in 90% of the journey that people who are listening to us are with us today, we start as service providers who have what I call a retainer-based business, meaning... I am probably a solopreneur. I was a solopreneur. I was securing clients. I had very little overhead. It is the time in my business where I made, I I wish you guys could see me on the screen, but instead you think, you know, with time in business, you know, your numbers go up. Well, your revenue number may go up, but there's a lot of things that contribute to this. And I don't necessarily feel like I need to school you guys on that today. But at the early stage of business, when we're talking, if if I plotted revenue against profit margins, the earliest stages of business for me had the greatest profit margins I have ever seen in my business. So the reason for that was because I didn't have a lot, I didn't have team. I didn't have a lot of software. I didn't have a lot of marketing expense because when you choose that retainer path, meaning you're working with one, two, or, or a fractional, you know, you come in in a fractional capacity, meaning you've got a handful of clients, but you're serving them with fractions of your time. That's an easy way to remember that. I call that leveraging a retainer model. It doesn't take a lot of marketing. So your marketing costs are fixed or or almost none. Most of the time it's referral marketing, which is the most economical, powerful way that you can market yourself. So I love that business model. It certainly gave me the legs to believe myself that I could be a business owner. And then as I developed, of course, we have taken lots of pivots over time, but I always tell everybody, if hard times came upon me, I would go right back to that because I'm an excellent service provider. I deliver on what I say I'm going to do. That's like key number one here. But from a financial perspective for me and my family, which is hello, why I'm working. (laughs) 
we saw the greatest profit margins. I didn't have a lot of overhead cost. It was when I started deviating from that retainer model, bringing in products, whether those were courses or events or whatever that looks like for you, that's what it was for me. That's when I started to need a bunch of hands to help me. That's when marketing became a bigger deal. Projects looked bigger. I remember when we did our website project, it was like a $20,000 project. So when I say it's a $20,000 project, that's $20,000 that the Gingrich household did not see that year. So, you know, you have to remember, I want you guys who are listening today, even if you're discouraged in that retainer model and you're coming to me and you're thinking, how do I break free of this? There's a lot of different ways, like becoming a director of operations, up-leveling your skills so you can come in at a higher level, be compensated at a higher level, but still not have all of the expenses that go into various other models. So I wanted to plant that here because I think that's a great way for us to start our conversation today, Melissa, because we are talking to quite a bit of people who all of us identify with what I define as that retainer model. And we certainly start our businesses there. So when we start our businesses in that retainer, I want to walk them through what things they need to be looking at inside of their business when they're getting started and we'll kind of progress this chronologically as to different things are going to pop up you know things that are that are important to me today at 6 years in business i wasn't even thinking about in years 1 and 2 just because of the structure of my business how much money i was making and some of it was just straight up education i'd always been in that corporate environment where somebody was taking care of this stuff for me even my budgets were dictated to me I I may have gone and kind of quote unquote fought for money, for more money to be able to have an additional upgrade or bring in another project. It's quite different in a small business. So we are the driver of the budget. We're the driver of of the decision-making. And so I know that our audience is going to be really gifted by all of the tips that you have for us today. So let's start off with that beginner when you're just setting up your business and give us some tips on what you, how you would advise us to get our financials in order as we're kicking off business. Absolutely. That's a really great question. And when you're starting off, the first thing you absolutely should be doing is keeping your personal finances separate from your business finances. And quite often I encounter entrepreneurs who had no idea of this or don't know how to do this. And it's quite simple. Open up a business bank account, regardless if you're operating as self-employed or if you're incorporated, does not matter. Keep that separate bank account so that you can provide an audit trail, which audit trail is just a fancy way of saying, show the history of the money going in and out of the business so that if IRS or for Canadian CRA come in to audit you, you have the proof that these are indeed legit business expenses. Another thing that I always recommend as well is setting up your accounting system so that it's going to support you as you grow. So this is really important because All your financial decisions are based from the reports that you're going to generate through that accounting system. So if you don't know bookkeeping and you don't have the capacity to learn it yourself, make sure that you hire somebody qualified to do this for you and set it up in a way that it's going to sustain you for long-term growth. Yeah, I love these. And I'm over here raising my hand and lowering my head a little bit. That was hard to say. Uh, Raising my hand, lowering my head, because at the very beginning of business and really ties into your intro a little bit, some of the vulnerability that you shared in that intro, I had a lot of expectation coming out of a big 
a nice, comfortable salary from corporate. And so starting over at legitimately negative $10,000, you know, coming into business and setting this up to where I could truly, I could not rob Peter to pay Paul, but I tried. I tried. And when I did that, I was taking for my personal finances to try to fund some of the exploratory things I was doing. I'm not proud of any of that, but I'm all for being completely transparent Mm -hmm. here. And so that is what led me to commingling my finances for the first year of business. It wasn't until I took Melissa's advice that she just shared, which was just finding an accountant. I didn't need an accountant or a bookkeeper to come in permanently. I wasn't at the place where I wanted to, or I could invest in that, but I paid somebody to just come in and set up the software for me. They set up the software. They gave me a tutorial and how to use it. And I at this point, wasn't paying anybody but myself. I took their knowledge and I cat. it was quite simple. Honestly, I made it to be like, Oh, bookkeeping is a science that I know nothing about when indeed you're going through there. I mean, I'm going to put this very simply. And I know that there's some higher level things that happen here, but at this point, what I was doing, first of all, created that bank account. I had to practice some self-discipline and use it truly as a budget, just like we teach our own kids, right? (laughs) When the money's gone, you just can't spend it, honey. Same thing here. And at the end of the month, I was going in and categorizing the expenses in the way that I was taught. And, you know, everyone talks about QuickBooks and there's a lot of other softwares that are out there. I do use QuickBooks online today and we're very satisfied with them and the robust reporting we're getting. But at that time, I didn't even have money for QuickBooks. So I was using another platform called Wave back in the day. And it was excellent for me. I could invoice out of it. It attached to my bank. It did everything I needed it to do for exactly zero fees. And so that was very helpful for me. It also gave me that stability and the professionalism that I was craving because I was starting something new and I wanted it to be legit and look legit. And these two things really upped my confidence and also gave me structure And those boundaries, whenever I was like, oh, I really want to coach with this person. Oh, but Natalie, your your finances say this. And it wasn't like, it really just helped me to be a legit business and then to make better decisions. But I want you guys to know at this point in my business, I was doing all of this myself. I am not a bookkeeper. I didn't have a massive muscle when it came to financials. So I dug deep. And if I wanted to be a business owner, these are the things I had to do. And I'm going to invite you to do the exact same things in your business if you haven't yet. I love that you're talking about, you know, when you're starting off and limited funds and not necessarily having the funds to cover all the things that you need to do in the first couple of years of running your business. And it's so tempting because, you know, the startup costs, you know, even when you're, when you're a solopreneur, there's still a lot of startup costs and you can get carried away with all those costs. So it's definitely important to be mindful, not to overextend yourself. I did not do this, friends, but I'm going to ask your take on this, Melissa. I kind of wish looking back that in the very early stages of business that I would have done a consultation with an accountant to help me with my business structure. Because the only thing I knew was just to file my business as a sole proprietorship. And, you know, I 
that's exactly what I did. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, looking back and having the acumen that I have, have grown into, I wonder if it would have been helpful to have that consult. It's just a one-time consult. You know, I think that so many times we're thinking of retainer relationships with people. And in the beginning of business, we just don't have the funds to do it. But I still want people to be set up, you know, really well. Do you think it's too early to do that in the beginning of business or? No, I love that point, actually, because the importance of setting up that first consult with a tax accountant, especially to help you structure your business is so important. Yes, it may feel like a little bit of a cash outlay that you probably could, you know, put that money towards something else. But if you think about the return on that investment that you're going to get, it's going to snowball because your tax accountant is there to help you set up your corporation in the best way that's going to benefit you personally. So just because your friend Sally has a different setup doesn't mean that that's the best thing for you. Everybody has a unique situation. So you definitely need to get that advice, that one-on-one advice from a tax accountant. And then they're going to set you up with tax saving strategies that are going to you know, save you money over and over and over again, year after year. And it's going to be extremely beneficial for you. Yes. I know when I finally did do this, my husband was so much more supportive. We had a joint call. He was a part of the call because guess what? From an accountant's perspective, yes, they care about the business, but when they're filing your taxes, they're filing your family's taxes, right? It's how much you pay yourself. So bringing your partner or your spouse as a part of that conversation was another thing that was really helpful for me. But don't forget, it's not just about getting these things set up. It's also looking a little bit deeper at what brings you financial stability. Ooh, that's something that, that comes to mind right now. We're talking about how to set yourself up financially well in this podcast today. When I talk about finances, it's not always about dollar bills, okay? Oftentimes, I will. I'm going to tell you guys to do the same thing. I look at financials as what are the things, whether they're projects, whether they're tasks, whether they're people I need in this business. But how am I going to set this business up to be financially stable? So, financial stability is more important to me than dollars. Now, yes, dollars make that up. But if you only look at financials from the vein of what my revenue or my profit margin or my income, those things are all important. But there's other pieces that lay behind there that give you that foundation like taxes. We just talked about taxes, the structure of your business, whether that's going to be an LLC, a sole proprietor, those kinds of things. And then as we advance, there are other things that bring us financial stability that we'll probably get into. So. Those are a couple tactical things that you can do when you're just starting your business. Now, Melissa, as I have seen inside of this community, you and I have experienced the same thing. We get out there, we are building those retainer businesses and we elevate the people that we're talking to. Maybe the services that we are delivering become more valuable because we see ourselves as more valuable. (laughs) Hopefully that's happening. And so we're bringing in more revenue. We're bringing in more money which allows us, like we talked about at the beginning, to be able to reinvest some of that back into your business. And I know for myself, when we have done that, it has usually come back in the form of better systems. And sometimes systems come back to people, sometimes systems come back to software. And so reinvesting or hello, paying yourself is also a piece here. But Mm -hmm. what I'm really casting the shadow of is moving from we'll call that that new business or maybe that baby business more to like the teenage business and what's happening as we start to bring in more money where we have more discretionary funds 
in our bank account? Yes, this is such a good question. And what I love to do with my clients is, first of all, we're going to figure out what their financial goals are, right? So understanding what you're working for, what is the purpose of having this business? Is it because you want to buy a second home somewhere? Is it, you know, you want to start a charity? Whatever your financial goals are, you need to understand that your business is a unique financial asset that's going to help you achieve your goals. So whether you're starting from the beginning or you've been in business for several years, I always create a 12-month operating forecast for the businesses that I work with. So what this is doing is it's planning out your financial goals for your business month by month by month. And if you're planning on growing your business, then it incorporates a way where you can grow safely so that you aren't risking your business because not all growth in business is created equally. If you're growing too quickly, it puts a real big strain on your your resources. So you need to make sure that you can, in fact, grow in a way that's going to be sustainable and consistent profit margins as you grow your business. So having that plan, knowing the direction that you want to take your businesses, business in is essential because it helps you understand month by month by month when you're looking at your financials, you're going to be comparing what you had planned against what you had actually done for that month. And you're going to understand why either you achieved your goals or why you didn't. So having that plan gives you a direction for your business. Whether you're growing or not, it still helps you when you're checking in with your finances each and every month so that if there's some sort of you know runaway expense or if you're realizing that your revenues are dropping or whatever's going on in your business, you're going to be able to identify these issues before they become big problems and big money sucks. Yes. First of all, set those goals. And you know we didn't talk about that in the beginning stage of business because for most of us, it's just getting established. It's finding the first client or the first customer for yourself. It's bringing in any dollar amount so that you can pay yourself. Now that we've matured in business, it's time to look at this and say, okay, now that we have a little bit of history behind us, we've tiptoed into the market. So we're trying to get the lay of the land. We're getting that together. And now it's time to elevate this and look at it specifically to you. And so I love making and setting those financial goals. We at the Ops Authority use a good, better, best. And when we first started out, we didn't have a lot of historical data to pull from. So we used some very arbitrary numbers and the good, better, best framework really helped me to feel more confident that you know good was something that we could easily attain. That's definitely leveraging the historical if we brought in $30,000 last year, I have a good feeling that we'll bring in 30 this year. And so the reason I'm giving you that framework is sometimes people will say, you know what, Melissa, I'm not going to do this because I don't have any historical data. Well, I'm telling you, use what you have, even if it's not months and years of data, and that is your good goal. Now let's set better and best goals. And, and for you, that's going to be very personal. There's no formula out there that says, okay, take your good, add 30% plus seven. There's no formula for you. You're going to need to look at how you're generating revenue, what kind of marketing you're looking at, how much expense you're bringing in, and you're going to be able to set those it's going to be an individual exercise for your business. But setting those goals is, is very, very, very important. And I'm going to encourage you to do that certainly when you get to this phase of business. The other thing, that budget. 
I'm going to ask you some questions about this. Mm -hmm. So who does the budget? Do you think an an entrepreneur can do this themselves? Do you think that it needs to be led by a CPA, a bookkeeper? I mean, it's going to depend totally on the individual, right? So if you can create your own personal budget, then there's no reason why you can't create your business budget as well. But when you bring on experts, what they do is they help you identify your blind spots and they also help you with strategic thinking, right? So if you feel fully confident in creating your own budget, that's fine. But if you want to have the critical thinking, then it's always great to work with a coach or, you know, fractional CFO, whatever it is that you're ready for in your business. Yes. And I will say a fractional CFO, this is about the time in my business where I started to look at, I was really dreaming of a financial CFO because I was doing all of this myself and trying to make those hard decisions. And sometimes it's actually all the time. It's just nice to have an external party helping me join these parties in my head that when I'm trying to make these decisions, it really is nice to have a strategic partner to help in guiding that. And then also actually laying out the budget. Yes. I mean, I have managed our our home budget. I've managed budgets in, in corporate. I've managed budgets for lots of different nonprofits, et cetera. When it comes to your own business, I'm just going to say it may really, really be one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself to work with somebody to set this up for you. Again, they may not need to maintain it. I chose to stay in a situation where we were working in an ongoing capacity together because I need that strategic guidance whenever I need it. It may not be every single week, every single month, but when I need it, I need it. And I want that person to be familiar with with the type of business as well as the budget. So when we first laid out our, our first budget, we did leverage that historical data to help us. Now we, of course, you know, you've got, we've talked about projects throughout this podcast, you know, here at the Ops Authority, we have a big project coming up. It's a project that we're probably going to be investing 30 to $40,000 in. Like it's a significant project for our budget. And so, you know, you can lay out the budget, but it's so nice when you overlay the historical information so you can get the values there. But then as you look forward to budget for the upcoming year, or quarter or month, whatever it is that you're looking at, we lay on top of our plans, our marketing plans, our strategic plan. You know, if this $30,000 expense is coming through in March or April, I want to put that into the budget so that we know we have Mm -hmm. a more accurate, it's still a guess, but we have a more accurate idea of what our income is actually going to be. So it can't just be based off of last Mm -hmm. year's. I mean, I guess it could be, but we have found it really valuable to overlay anything, any expense that we know is coming up, any affiliate payments that we have, you know, predictable things that may not be present in last year's numbers. Absolutely. That's a cash management strategy. And I love that you're talking about that because 82% of businesses fail due to financial mismanagement. And the majority of that comes from a lack of cash. So if you don't have cash coming in your business, it's not going to cover what's going out of your business. And it's all about timing. So when you are being proactive and having that cash management strategy, it helps you avoid having those cash shortages for those big bills that come in. 
And then another thing that you're bringing up, which is super important when you're, you're also dealing with a finance professional is you're talking about, you know, these big projects, you know, these 30, 40,000 plus projects. And a lot of business owners may get very fearful of those numbers, right? Or if they're taking on a big project and they're not sure if it's going to pay off in the future, like they're not sure of the ROI of the project, they can always work with financial professionals and go through strategic formulas that show you if you invest in this today, when you can expect to start making money on it and over the years, what you can expect to be making on it as well. So that you see that the decisions that you're making for your business are profitable so that you're not putting yourself in a position where you're investing in these large projects that go nowhere. You've probably been in the same scenario, but myself and this community will definitely tell you when we sit down to bring on a project into somebody else's business. So now we're not talking about our own businesses, but we're looking at supporting the CEOs that we're working for and partnering with. And they come to us and they say, yeah, we want to do this really big launch, Melissa. Okay, great. What are your goals for it? And they come back. We want this to be a six-figure launch. Okay. And we're sitting there like, that's a great goal. We want that too. However, what kind of documentation do you have that actually tells you that this is capable in this structure with your audience and, you know, all the other things that come into play with that? But I find as directors of operations and project managers that we're having that conversation, that pushback with the leader, not to deflate or minimize the goals that they have that they're setting for themselves, but just to have some real talk like, hey, before we do this. And we as business owners, friends, if we have, the ability, and you should be working with businesses who have financial advisors in their business, CPAs, bookkeepers, you want to be partnering with people like that so that you can have the conversation that I just described to Melissa. You can get on the phone with Betty, the bookkeeper to talk to them if they have the purview into that business's finances. When you go to sit down to set real goals And to help the CEO to see what real goals look like, maybe he or she doesn't want to be a part of that conversation because it's nuanced. It's not to us. We want to make sure we're setting ourselves and we're going into partnership with people who have realistic outcomes because Mm -hmm. we're service providers. At the end of the day, if they don't meet their goal, we, for some reason, just feel like absolute poop because we feel like we contributed to that. So when those people that you're working with have financial professionals in their business who are looking at their numbers on a regular basis, we're able to set goals with much more confidence than we would just on our own. And I've tried to do it on my own by asking the questions that I just shared, like, hey, have you ever done this in the past? And what did that launch lead to? And, you know, have you ever managed a project budget, not business budget, but a project budget? Because same principles, but a much different vein to look at things. So thank you for bringing up the cash management thing. That has been very freeing for me, Melissa. I, like you, had some significant personal debt when I came into business and I was using the business as a vehicle to get out of that personal debt. And so not only was I paying myself, I was also paying off debt. And I think there's a lot, I mean, clearly there's some like money wounds that I'm freely talking about today. But when I went into owning this business and being responsible for other people's salaries, I will do some very, very silly things. Like, you know, every single time we launch, 
I, these are really silly things, but it comes down to cash management. I always wanted to be in a situation and building a business, not growing the team until we had the cash to safely do so. So Mm -hmm. the first couple of people that I hired, I would front load their entire annual salary before I even started interviewing because I have been on the backside of many a business where they will bring somebody in, guarantee them these large salaries And I'm looking at the budget, like, how are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. So that is probably a little bit of my own crud, but it has allowed us to be very financially safe and secure for building our business. When the pandemic hit, I was not worried about being able to pay my A players on this team, which every single person is, because I knew that we had the cash here. Now I can't do it, you know, indefinitely, but I certainly could get us through six to eight, maybe even nine months. And so that was a real blessing compared to some of the other people who had to quickly shut down or, you know, go into innovation mode, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we grow up again, we take that next step into looking at our finances as a business owner. So we've gone from baby business to that teenager business. Now we're we're probably hitting coming back to revenue, we're probably hitting higher revenue numbers when we get a little bit further down in in our maturity in business. What are some other financial concerns or things that we need to be looking for and putting on our presumptive checklist as we develop in business? Absolutely. I mean, there's all types of expenses that are going to creep into your budget. When you're planning out these expenses, it helps you prepare. It helps you strategically think for it. And another thing that you want to consider as you grow your business, and I don't find this is spoken about as often either, is what are your plans for this business when you want to step away from the business? Are you wanting to sell the business? Because if you want to sell the business, there are certain things or steps that you need to take to ensure that you can make it saleable. So, you know, once you reach that maturity stage in your business, there's going to be other ways of thinking about how to run your business. So your exit strategy, or if you just want to maintain your business and, you know, have somebody else run it for you and you're collecting that profit. I mean, there's strategies that you need to think about, think through where you want to take your business and just plan accordingly. Financial planning is so much about taking that that financial security and knowing that no matter what you decide, financially, you will be okay. I love this. And I can't tell you, like I can kind of plot and easily see myself in reverse from when I was a baby business, when I was in that teen stage. And I'm probably at the beginning of that adult phase of business and adding a financial planner like it's not a cumbersome thing. It's not even an expensive thing, but I meet with them. They also have been able to help us truly plan for not only the business, but our own personal. Yes, your personal finances. Yes, and that's huge. For retirement and such, exactly. So very, very important to me is when I left corporate, of course, you know they were contributing to my retirement. I was contributing to my retirement. I wasn't really seeing that because it just was deducted right from payroll's perspective. So I, you know, I made a decision once or twice a year and that was automatically taken care of. When I became my own business owner, nobody's doing that for you, friends. No one's doing that for you. Now, the importance was still the same to me, but in all transparency, I went three and a half years without contributing one cent to my retirement. And boy, do I resent it. 
At the same time, I didn't have a lot of discretionary funds. I potentially could have appropriated the funds I did have differently, but I didn't. And so when I got to about year four in business, when I did my taxes that year, that's when I was like, you know what? I need to talk to a financial planner. I need to figure out how to do retirement as a self-employed woman in business. And that is one of the most gratifying achievements that I have done and, and accomplished in the last six years is being able to bring in enough revenue to not only feed my family and pay myself what I feel I deserve, but at the same time, still be able to contribute and, and look after my legacy, which, which is going to come in the form of being able to, to have a retirement down the road. So mm-hmm. I would say that that's one of those things when you said financial planner, that was the gift to me was like, oh man, I can start really creating a strategy for retirement, which I had not been able to do in the first couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And you can look at all the different types of investments that you can make. And there's tons of investments out there that are going to pay off. Oh my goodness. They have educated me. So I thought I knew a lot, but you know, things are a little bit different when you're a self-employed, you know, you have access to a few things, you have Mm -hmm. less access to a few different things, but investments and, and just having that person in my court has been very helpful, not only for me, but the business and my relationship with my husband. I know that that sounds, it may be a little bit much, but it's definitely true. Oh, it's so true. And it's not too much because, you know, finances are a huge strain on a relationship if they're not handled correctly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. goodness gracious. We could have a whole episode on that. We sure could. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I will say my husband always believed in me. He knew I would be successful, but there were definitely some financial decisions that I made that I would not encourage other people to do. But yeah, me I'm too. Glad I am through that. And we are on the other side and we are very, very open. I actually have him be a part of our monthly financial meetings now. He doesn't always show up, but he has the opportunity to see our financials every single month, whether he shows up on the call or I'm explaining them to them. That's been very cathartic. I know we're not here mm-hmm. to talk about that today, but that has been a big plus one in our relationship when it comes to me being a business owner and still contributing to the family and hello, staying and being in love with my spouse. (laughs) (laughs) As we have talked about this, the, you know, having that financial planner is really big, but the exit strategy and really, you know, at the beginning phases of business, it's all about securing the client, making your first dollar, making your first thousand dollars, making your first $10,000 and paying yourself what you're worth. That's what we kind of do. Once you get a little bit further down, sometimes it's age, Sometimes it's time in business and sometimes it's just life events that happen, right? And we start to look at our businesses now that they're a little bit more stable and we start to say, okay, so now this is an asset that feels quote unquote real and tangible to me. What happened? This is morbid. This is kind of like the life insurance talk, but you know, what happens if I die or disappear? What does this business do? Now I'm responsible. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very proud of what we deliver. And so I don't want that to die with me. What about the people that are, are running this operation with me? I don't want anything to happen to them. So now we start doing like business continuation plans. This is why this conversation with Melissa, we're talking about financials, but we're really looking at financial stability. So we have looked at business and this is not something that I think about every single day. It's really something that we sit down and do two times a year, which is look at the business continuation plan. 
One mm-hmm. of the things that we have on our goal list is in 10 years, we'll probably want to sell the business. And so sitting down and talking with somebody, you know, just to guide us to look at everything from budgeting to some of the other hard, you know, this is another conversation again, when selling your business comes up, you know, there's legal, there's a lot of other things that need to happen here. But from a financial perspective, you know, there's a, there's a lot of financial decisions that if that is going to be a part of your goal, then, you know, you're going to want to start planning accordingly. And that's something I definitely wasn't thinking about in 2015, 2017, Mm -hmm. 2019. And so, and we're really just the baby phase of even considering that being an option. The good thing about considering it, you know, even if it's 10, 15 years down the road, when you start realizing that this is going to be a possibility, it's never too early to plan for it, right? Because if you decide, okay, I'm ready to sell now and you go see somebody to help you, they're going to be like, well, you know, they're going to give you a whole list of things that you have to do. So preparation and being proactive is key. You know what it did for me? It made sure that I was paying myself appropriately because no one's going to want to buy a business where the leader is not paying themselves or doesn't have enough margin to pay themselves. It also Mm -hmm. made sure that we classified the people on our team appropriately and we paid them not what's online business industry standard, but what is for the title, if they're a project manager, what does that look like in not our industry, but in all project managers? So we're paying them a wage that they would be paid if they work somewhere else. And that entire mm-hmm. conversation can be very debatable because a lot of times when we're starting businesses, we'll lowball, we hear of people who are paying, you know, $3, $5, $8, $20 when they should be getting paid much more than that. And so it made us look at the way that we were spending our money to prepare it which all of that is good stuff, whether I sell this business or whether I don't. Like at least everyone here is getting paid well and commiserate with the activities and the tasks that they perform and contribute to the ops authority. So lots of good stuff here. Friend, I think we could talk all day long about this and a million other things, but I just want to thank you so much for bringing the knowledge that you have into our community. And hopefully we've been able to help all of you guys who are listening today to see that you don't have to do all of this stuff at one time. There are different things that are going to come up that you want to do to increase your financial stability as you progress in business. And I'm giving you the permission to start at one place, start at not commingling, move to setting real financial goals, set moving into your budget, moving into financial planning, et cetera. You don't have to do all of that from the very beginning. Let's get yourself on sturdy ground. Let's add to how much you're paying yourself. And as we do that, we're going to be able to come back into the business and look and just ask yourself, what are the things that we would need to be more financially stable? You've had lots of tips throughout this podcast today. And Melissa, I know as I introduced you, you are a CFO. So I would love to share your even more of you with our audience. How can they find you? Absolutely. So you can find me at the fractional CFO agency.com, or you can also find me at my personal website at melissahoustoncpa.com. And you can download the five step roadmap to biz finance freedom to help you get started understanding the financial foundation that you need in your business. 
Awesome. So friends, with every single episode of the Ops Authority podcast, we have an action that we want you to do. And we want to make all of the conversation, the time that you spend with our voices in your ears, we want to make sure that this turns into an action because hello, we're operators. So our action for this episode is to download this tool that she just shared with you guys, these five things that you need to do. We're going to have that here for you in the show notes. We're also going to have it inside of our Ops Insiders Facebook group. If you are not there, make sure to head on over to theopsinsiders.com. We're going to have a prompt for you where you can download this. And then I want you to share one thing from that list. All right, friends? Melissa, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate the time and also just all the wisdom that you continuously share with me. And I'm glad that our friends here could could get a glimpse into the conversations that we have. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.